Welcome to the Indie Brand Builder Podcast, where successful entrepreneurs and industry experts get real about what it takes to build a seven-figure product brand with your host, Jeremy Robinson. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Robinson. Welcome to Indie Brand Builder, where creative entrepreneurs and product designers are building successful, purpose-driven businesses so that they can accomplish their financial dreams while making a difference in the world. Be sure to check out IndieBrandBuilder.com and subscribe for updates. So today we're going to be talking about manufacturing in China. And I have a special guest named Sam Miller, who's been overseeing manufacturing in China for 25 years and is fluent in Mandarin Mandarin Chinese. So Sam first moved to Shanghai in the early 90s to teach at the university there. And he then went on to manage the office of a major American home textiles company. And he's since been worked in ceramics, gifts, and the furniture industries, offering his experience in sourcing, product development, management, and logistics. And he currently works with a variety of small businesses to help them secure and manage their manufacturing relationships in China. And he blogs frequently about the topic on his website, theeastasiaco.com. And I'll have that in the show notes, and I'll repeat it again before the end. But First, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about So Young's experience, and So Young is the business that I run with my wife. And off the top, I just want to say that you know I love the idea of purchasing products that are made in, here in North America. And if your products and your business model allow you to do that, there are obviously some huge advantages from both a branding and a logistics perspective. And I highly recommend that you explore that. But The reality is today that most of us will not purchase a product unless they meet our price expectations. And price expectations today are largely determined by global markets. So I'm not going to get into the political and moral implications of outsourcing your products to a country like China, but I will say that depending on your product category and your competitive set, it may be your only choice to have your products manufactured in a cost competitive way. I asked Sam about this, and this is what he had to say. The fact is when you're a small business and you need to hit a certain price point to get into a you know, major retailer, uh, you can't do it here. Let me give you an example. I have a customer in New York, and they make these uh, knit hats for, for kids. Now, the cost of this knit hat out of China uh, is $1.50, but you know they're not going to make that hat for $1.50 in this country. They're just not going to find anyone who can make it for that price. So in other words, they're not going to have a business. And manufacturing has gone overseas. Well, all the technological wherewithal has gone with it. So that's why you go to China, you go in these textile mills, and you will find these state-of-the-art German spinning machines there, and you'll find a really skilled labor that knows how to use these machines, and that labor is not expensive, and that's where you're, that's how you get your fifty hat. So with So Young, our products are manufactured in China. And this is largely a reality of the bag category that we're competing in. The global bag manufacturing business is largely centered in China. And all of our competitors' products are manufactured there as well. But our experience with China has been anything but easy, which Sam says is actually pretty normal. In fact, you should actually count on having problems and build them into your expectations and your timelines. When you start doing this in China, start sourcing, you know, trying to, you have a product idea, idea for product, and you want to start sourcing in China, you're going to fail. You've got to expect you're going to fail, whether that fail is on your first failure is on your first order, 
whether it's a failure in quality or whether the, the vendor ups the cost at the last minute or whether that's a failure on your fourth order or after two years. You're going to fail it sometime. And you can't be flummoxed by that. You have to just get up and move on and move on to the next vendor. So case in point, So Young's first experience with the manufacturer in China was a complete disaster. Uh, we'd already done a test run of products here in North America that were very good, but they were very expensive. So when we found a factory in China that produced some really good samples at a fraction of the cost, we hired them, sight unseen, to do a production run. However, when the products finally arrived four months later after a series of delays, they had a serious flaw that made them unsellable. So, okay, business doesn't always go as planned, but what can you do to at least reduce the chances of something going seriously wrong? Well, one of the biggest issues Sam sees with North American brands who approach him about how to manufacture in China is really not having a complete picture of your product specifications or even knowing how your product should be manufactured. You need to educate that yourself about your product. You really have to know that product inside out as much as your vendor, because you're gonna have a dialogue with your vendor about the product and you want to come off as knowledgeable about your own product. Because if you're not knowledgeable, well that's when your vendor is probably gonna cut some corners and you know, you're gonna get a product uh, you know, with a different material than you would like or a material that's not so effective. People come to me all the time and I can tell that they don't really understand how their product's made. They just have a, you know, the idea it's a lamp, but they don't understand how that lamp is made or what's the best way to make the lamp or the most cost-effective way to package it. When they design a product, they, they, they fail to realize the complexity of that product. And uh, an example, another example, I have another client there in Toronto makes uh, educational kits and he has one component of the one of the kits is a play mat for kids and you know it's foam rubber it's that uh, polyethylene vinyl acetate EVA what they call it and you know EVA comes in different grades there's grade A B and C depending on the consumer safety requirements of the country where you're selling that product um, there are different gauges of EVA uh, and so he had this whole thing spec'd out he had his target costs and uh, you know it turns out that uh, he was getting quoted on, you know, for grade C EVA uh, when he needed grade A to pass CPSI's, you know, tests in the U.S. standards in the U.S. And you know, it, it's, grade A is twice as expensive as grade C. Right. <laughs> so you know, it turned out we had to go all the way back to the drawing board. You know, delayed his product, the orders, and you know, it just it, because he simply didn't understand his own product. So So Young's products are not extremely complicated, but to be honest, this is something we did not do initially, but we're working on now, and that is creating what's known as a bomb or a bill of materials. And what this means is actually breaking down every individual piece of material or piece that goes into manufacturing your products and creating a detailed specification for each component piece. And rather than having the factory do it for you, um, you know, that can create a lot of issues with consistency over time, particularly if you're dealing with different factories. And also it really it keeps the pricing opaque if only the factory knows the cost of the individual pieces that go into your items. Now, another common problem that Sam's sees companies doing is they don't consider the packaging costs when they're sourcing their products and trying to meet a target price. 
In fact, packaging can actually sometimes be as important as the product, especially when you're considering how it will look on a store shelf. And it can make up a substantial percentage of the overall cost. Retail packaging is sometimes very important. It also can be expensive. But a lot of times people, they just focus on the product and then they haven't given any thought to their packaging or even what, you know, if are there 60 units packed in a MasterCard or 30 and the price changes and it all goes into your costs and, you know, before you know it, it's, you know, 30% more expensive than you thought it would be. Right. And there go your margins and you've been having your discussion with your buyer about costs and then you have to go back and say, oh, I'm sorry, uh, it's going to be a little more expensive. Will you accept that? Okay, so let's say you're starting from scratch today and you're committed to finding a reliable manufacturing partner in China. Well, here's the process that Sam walks his clients through when they're just starting out. I first want to make sure someone comes to me that you know, they finalize their design. You know, I don't want them you know, going back and forth when we're at, you know, looking for a vendor, you know, changing things, can't do that. Make sure they have their target cost based on their landed cost product packaging, inspection, shipping. As I said, people sometimes are so focused on the product, they forget about the other aspects that impact cost. And then, you know, usually what I do is I reach up between, you know, 25 and 30 vendors and we go out with uh, uh, product specs, target costs, and, you know, see who's responsive. If you're uh, reaching out to vendors and they don't seem responsive, even if their costs are good, I don't think you want to deal with them. Because fast forward to the time when you got an order, you got an important shipping date you have to meet, and you can't get a reply from the vendor. So I think responsiveness is, is something you really have to look at. So based on responsiveness and target costs, you may narrow down those 25 vendors maybe to uh, seven or eight vendors. These are vendors who've been responsive, who have been able to, be, you know, they're in the neighborhood of where you want to be on cost. And then at that point, you reach out and you get some samples from these vendors. And that'll take you down to maybe two or three vendors. You have good costs, costs that are acceptable to you. They're very responsive. You're getting answers. They're working with you, answering your questions. Um, and then they've given you a good sample, a sample you, you can sell. You, you're confident that those two or three vendors can do your product. And uh, at that point, you, you, know, you probably go with the vendor who's provided you with the best sample. And you, you have still have two, two perfectly capable vendors on file in the event something doesn't work out with that vendor, it sometimes happens, well, you have two other vendors. So it's really about casting a wide net and just as you would do if you were interviewing a job candidate for a job opening, narrowing down the field based on feedback and additional information. So I told you about our first horrific experience manufacturing in China, where we essentially went with the first person we met sight unseen. But after that, we didn't give up. And by getting some references from other people, ultimately, we connected with some agents who have been able to deliver some very high quality products through their factory relationships. However, we did not follow Sam's advice of sourcing far and wide. And now because we do don't directly control the relationships with the factory, we've become fairly dependent on a single manufacturer and we're dealing with issues around timing and costs. So essentially, so young is also, we're at this point going back to the drawing board ourselves and putting together a detailed bill of manufacturing, the bomb I spoke of earlier, and getting used to the idea that we're gonna have to spend more time traveling to China. And Sam pretty much describes our situation here. 
you can't go into this thinking you're going to meet one vendor and be married happily for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole process of sourcing in China, you got to understand the first four or five years, maybe, you're going to be switching vendors, you know, maybe somewhat regularly. And, you know, hopefully you're, pro you're getting enough good product out of China that you can build your business. And as your orders get larger, you're going to have more reliable vendors. Yeah. You know, bigger vendors who will take bigger orders, who want your business and therefore will keep your costs uh, stable and give you good quality. So that's another thing is you just, you have to be prepared to, it's like dating, you know, you, you don't just marry the first person you meet. I think, you know, a lot of times success or failure in China is just how much time you want to spend, uh, you know, developing vendors over there. I mean, you can take one of these small vendors and you can turn them into a good good supplier for you. If you want to go over to China two or three times a year and work with them, you know, so that they come to understand your standards and and uh, what they have to be making for you, uh, you know, they can turn off to be they can turn out to be a pretty good supplier over you know five or six years time for you, maybe longer. Mm. Um, I've seen this happen, but you know, there's obviously a cost to that too. I mean, those chips to China are expensive. That all goes into your product cost, your overhead. So the bottom line is manufacturing is such a critical component of your business that you really have to prepare to spend a significant amount of time on it if you want your business to be successful. You can't just expect some people half a world away to reliably put your products together while you're off working on other parts of the business. It's a relationship and you're going to have to invest time, not just in overseeing it, but actually getting to know and earn the respect of the people who are working for you analogy I like to use is when you're building a house and uh, when you hire someone to build a house from you you give them the plans and everything you say here build it well you know hopefully in an ideal world you're over there every two or three weeks to see how things are going mm -hmm. you know you don't just show up when the house is done you know and that's that's basically what it's like when you source in China you, you know you gotta give a vendor an order but you gotta go check on it make sure they're doing it properly but a lot of people they they don't want to, it's a hassle for them. They don't want to go to China. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, it's your business. And if you want, if you want to grow your business, you, you've got to, you've got to bring that level of commitment to it. I mean, they're, to be effective, they're over there three or four times a year, maybe two weeks at a time. And there's, you know, it's, they're spending time with these people. They don't just go in for a day or two and say, thanks. And you know, let us know when it ships. I mean, they're over there working having dinner with the people, whatever, you know, spending, going in their homes and really trying to forge relationships, working relationships, effective relationships built on mutual communication and trust. So, as you can see, the process of manufacturing overseas is not easy, but because it's difficult, it creates a barrier to entry for your competition and that allows your manufacturing relationships to become an extremely powerful and profitable engine of your business. That's really a unique character of your business. So it's extremely important that you invest the time and in planning into making sure you understand how your products are made and get involved in the process of overseeing the production and getting to know and build relationships with the people who are handling it for you. So I want to give a special thanks to Sam Miller. And if you'd like to learn more about Sam's business and what he does, you can visit 
theeastasiaco.com. And Sam has a great blog there with plenty of information on these topics and others. And I'll also include the URL in the show notes if you just go to indiebrandbuilder.com. So thanks again for joining me. I'm Jeremy Robinson. For more insights on building a seven-figure product brand, including free downloadable training material, visit IndieBrandBuilder.com.